Morning, church. My name is Travis. I have the privilege of serving as senior pastor here. Thank you, band. Excellent, as always. Are you guys grateful for our worship band? Do any of you perhaps play a musical instrument and would like to join the worship band? No one? No one? Maybe for the song following uh, the, the sermon? Anybody, anybody here play an instrument as a kid and then you gave it a lot up along the way such that you cannot join the worship band today? Yes? Go ahead. Keep them up. Keep them up. I was piano. Annette? Piano? Ray? Saxophone. Saxophone. Ron? Guitar. Any, any exotic instruments we gave up? Trombone. Pretty good. The mandolin. I can't even picture that. Is that like the guitar? Does it look a little like a guitar? Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Exotic instruments? Why do we give up instruments? I want you, uh, I want you to um, hear this little uh, illustration from a book by uh, Donald Whitney. It's called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And he tells a story about a boy named Kevin. Uh, Kevin was learning to play uh, not an exotic instrument, it was just guitar. And he practiced day after day. And he practiced near the window, looking out on the street. And he would see all of his friends playing while he practiced day after day and regret what he had to do, what he had to be spending his time on, even as he enjoyed the guitar. Until one day, an angel appears. Uh, not a true story, by the way. <laughs> takes the little boy by the hand, and he whisks him away to Carnegie Hall, where on the stage is a guitar virtuoso, quote, usually bored by classical music, Kevin is astonished by what he sees and hears. The musician's fingers dance on the strings with fluidity and grace. Kevin thinks of how stupid and clunky his own hands feel when they halt and falter over the chords. The virtuoso blends clear, soaring notes into a musical aroma that wafts from his guitar. Kevin remembers the toneless, irritating discord that comes stumbling out of his, but Kevin is enchanted. His head tilts to one side as he listens. He drinks in everything. He never imagined that anyone could play guitar like this. And then, of course, you guys know what happens next, right? The angel says to Kevin, that man is you. 20 years down the line, that will be you. But son, only if you practice. It isn't a made-up story. But if it were true, you would, you would agree with me, right? That surely, having caught a glimpse of what will be, that, that, would, that would result in a dramatic paradigm shift for Kevin in the here and in the now. So in a letter called First Timothy which was written by a pastor named Paul to a young pastor named Timothy. Uh, in chapter four, and we looked at this uh, last fall, he, Timothy wrote, discipline yourself for the practice of godliness. Discipline yourself for the practice of godliness. And of course, what is it that sustains a Christian's disciplined perseverance and practice of godliness, even through heartache and suffering. Well, two 
a significant extent, is it not, the thing that sustains us, is it not an eternal perspective? The long view. We believe at MCC that it's the end of the story that gives significance to the hardest parts of the story, right? So that's a a theme that we started last week and we're going to continue this morning. So we did 1 Timothy last fall. We've now begun a six-part series through 2 Timothy. We're calling Finish the Race, Making Life Count in the Trials. Uh, And this morning we're going to do just the first half of chapter 2. So if you haven't already turned there, 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you need to use one of the black church Bibles, this is on page 995. If you're using an app on your phone to read the Bible, I don't know, maybe just go crazy this morning and click on airplane mode. Just, just push out all of the notifications and the distractions for like, you know, 30 precious minutes here, church. Let's give ourselves to God's word together. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Hear now the very word of our Lord. You then, my child... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, has preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we had died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself." Thus ends the reading of God's word. If you want to take some notes, if you find it helpful to um, kind of chart a path through the text, here's the three that I wrote down. The gospel that spreads, the discipline that sustains, and the savior that saves. So we'll go through each one of these. Uh, First one, the gospel that spreads. The gospel that spreads. I know um, for a fact that I'm not uh, alone in this. Um, I love coffee, Uh, preferably rich, dark, very smooth, low acid coffee. I love it. Um, I've learned I really like it from Guatemala, really like it from Indonesia. Um, uh, Right now I'm reading a book by Howard Schultz, who is the uh, Starbucks CEO. Um, It's uh, about leadership principles, but there's also quite a bit in the book uh, about coffee, uh, which is pretty interesting to me. I'm convinced a couple years ago, one of our best ministry decisions of all time was when we replaced the kitchen brewer uh, in Fellowship Hall, and then we upgraded from the swill that we were serving all of you guys uh, week in and week out. So my point is I get coffee lovers. Um, I am one. But then there's also 
There's a whole different level, right? Um, so the New York Times, they profiled a group called the SCAA. This is the Specialty Coffee Association of America. These are the kinds of people who um, for, purchase for their personal homes $2,000 steam-taming machines for the zealous making of espresso. Um, the SCAA, they had a previous mission statement. Want to hear it? That those, who have ex- <laughs> that those who have experienced the nirvana of espresso might have a catalytic viral effect in exciting others about their passion. Wow. <laughs> That's hardcore and a little weird. But, but you can appreciate the desire that someone has, right? When they are truly passionate about something to have a viral catalytic effect on the people around them, particularly the people they love. And folks, that's what Paul's talking about in verse two. Except what Paul's talking about is far more significant than a latte. Paul's talking about eternity and a gospel that spreads. The gospel that spreads. In fact, if you flip back just one page probably in most of your Bibles to chapter one, Paul wrote, middle of verse 12, I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. All right, so track with me here. This gospel message, the good news that Christ is crucified and he's risen again for the redemption, for the washing away of my sins, that news was entrusted to Paul, verse 12, then Two verses later, Paul exhorts Timothy, guard the good deposit entrusted to who? You. So the gospel was entrusted to Paul, who imparts it to Timothy. Now flip back to our main text, chapter two, verse two. And Paul says, okay, take that gospel, which is imparted to you, and entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You get the point, right? We are to have a catalytic viral effect on the world. Not spreading the the good news of coffee beans, but the good news of life eternal and life in Christ. If you give a man a fish, you feed a man. If you teach a man to fish, you feed a family. If you teach one man to teach other men to fish, you feed a village. Remember where we are here. Okay? Paul's not writing from the, the comforts of home. He is writing from a dingy, dank prison cell, and he's awaiting execution. So, put, I mean, it's always helpful in the text to take off your own shoes for a moment and try and slip into their sandals, right? If, if, this, if you're writing the last letter to your child or your spiritual child, as it were, what would you be concerned to write down in that letter? This is Paul's last letter, but it's his first priorities. He's reminding Timothy that the gospel, it is not something to just be preserved, but it is something to be passed on. This is why, as you heard just a couple of minutes ago, our evangelism and outreach team has been working on this sun, uh, Thursday evening mini-conference with uh, Chat Bettis called Evangelism for the Tongue-Tied. 
Um, there'll be, you know, it'll be in Fellowship Hall. We got a brand new TV. We got the new sound system in there. There'll be PowerPoint. I understand Chap's a very uh, gifted speaker, um, but I'm excited because we get to learn and hear from a brother in the faith who gets the New England context. And if you've been in New England for more than 72 hours and you're a Christian, you already know doing evangelism here in Massachusetts, it is not like doing evangelism in Mississippi or Minnesota. It is a whole different ball game here. So I want you to consider coming to that. Uh, I try not to be a pastor who hypes everything because then um, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but if, if you can make it work on Thursday night, my sense is that this could be very impactful for our church. And if it's impactful for our church, it's never meant just to be impactful for our church, but perhaps by God's grace, impactful for our families and our community. Because MCC's ministry, right? Our ministry is about multiplication. Our ministry is about multiplication. Our community groups, right? We don't cap them. That's not a thing here anymore. We don't say, we're closed now, we got big enough. There's no such thing at MCC as a community group that is too big. When we get too big, we just multiply and we form new groups. Same idea with the church family, right? We're not, we're not gonna be passive or aloof or relaxed about outreach as if we don't have to be concerned with it because we're Christians and Christians know there's something radically wrong with this world and we're engaged in doing something about it. So can I ask you, with reference to verse two, because we always want to take the, the off-ramp from the text and ask, what does this say to my own life? So can I ask you, with reference to verse two, are you a taker or are you a maker? Are you a taker or are you a maker? Takers, you've met them, you might be one. Takers are the people who come to church once or twice a month, and they're inspired by the singing. You know, they might even raise a hand. Probably not two. Maybe they enjoy the preaching. From time to time, it might even elicit an emotion or a tear. But you never do anything with it. It's just an emotional recharge for the week, and then you go out and you live your life. No prayer, no pursuit of godliness, and certainly no sharing of your faith with others. My friend, listen, if you have been a Christian for six months or more, and this sounds like us, if this sounds like you, my friend, you're just taking up space. God never, ever called anybody to be a taker. He calls us to be makers, right? He said it from the top of a mountain. So we wouldn't miss it. He calls us to go forth into all the world and what? Make disciples. He calls us to be makers. Our, our mission is the great co-mission. So I want you to think about the day of your funeral. Well, that sounds very sad, Trev. Go ahead. Think about your funeral. Because quite frankly, I'm going to have to bury some of you people. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest of you are going to bury me. So in both cases, someone's going to have to stand up here and give the eulogy. And when they do, I promise, what matters is not whether they can say how impressive you are. 
but rather how infectious you were with the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around you. Did you spend your life on the day of your funeral? Can it be said that you spent your life entrusting this precious gospel message to other men and women and boys and girls? It's hard sometimes. I mean, I I resonate. I am a pastor. I was ordained. And I resonate with everything you said, brother. It's hard sometimes to share our faith. Man, where's my opening? How do I get without it sounding just weird or, you know, like a used car salesman? It's hard sometimes to share our faith. It's hard to live a godly lifestyle, particularly in the midst of heartache, when you feel like you're receiving what you did not deserve. Which is why... We move in our second header, and I'll speed up a little bit here. We have the, the discipline that sustains now. The discipline that sustains. Paul says, verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And that becomes then the first of these three back-to-back-to-back illustrations. You have no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. That's verse 4. No athlete is crowned unless he competes according to the rules. That's verse 5. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. That's verse 6. So you get three illustrations in quick succession. What do all three of those illustrations have in common? Did you ask yourself that as we were reading through? What do all three of those illustrations have in common? The answer... Endurance, discipline, or, I mean, it's explicit in verse six, right? Hard work. (laughs) MCC, we need discipline to get the gospel right and to live the gospel out. We need discipline to get the gospel right and to live the gospel out. Discipleship requires discipline. That's why they both have the same root word. There's, there's, a, um, there's a reason for that. Uh, it's been said that um, there's no room in the Christian life for the chocolate soldier, you know, the guy who melts when the heat gets turned up. And so that's verse four, that if you're part of a Roman legion, there's no point in saying you're a soldier and then running away every time there's a battle. In that case, you might have the uniform, but you're no soldier at all. Likewise, verse 5, um, ancient Olympics, picture that in your head, the Isthmian games, um, just like today, they had very clear, uh, agreed upon regulations for how those games were to be conducted, uh, and it took hard work and training and endurance to succeed. No shortcuts allowed, right? You don't follow the rules, you don't get to win the wreath. And then verse 6, same idea. We got the farmer and his crops. We have any farmers in the congregation today? I know it's Metro West. <laughs> Some of you have chickens. There's that. Yes? Some of you have a number of cats, which comes close to a flock or whatever we would call a large gathering. But this is talking about a, you know, a farmer, like the, the kind who tills the soil and plants the seed and, and he waters and, and then he tends. And There's no shortcuts in farming. Okay? This isn't like some of you who are really, really smart, and so you can cram a day or two before the exam, and then you can actually do pretty well in the exam. This is not that. Okay? When your life depends on a farm, you can't lay about all summer, plant your crop in September, and harvest it in October. It doesn't work that way. Um, your elders, we're reading a book right now by Eugene Peterson, and he writes in there, 
The person who looks for quick results in the seed planting of well-doing will be disappointed. I want potatoes for dinner tomorrow. It will do me little good to go out and plant potatoes in my garden tonight. There are long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence that separate the planting and the reaping. So you understand Paul's point here, right? Without discipline that's stretched out over the long view, the farmer will not eat, the athlete will not win, the soldier will not live. And it's a similar thing then for Christians and our faith. That Sure, we, we probably look pretty good when the sun is out and the birds are chirping. But when the rain comes, when, the, when suffering hits, the only way we're going to reap a harvest of righteousness is if we've done the hard work of thoughtfully, carefully, diligently pursuing Christ. Because it takes discipline to get the gospel right and then live the gospel out. I recognize um, that not everyone here on a Sunday morning is a Christ follower. Um, if, if you're just kind of exploring this stuff or for whatever reason you, you wandered in this morning, I'm super glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you for giving us and for giving me a hearing on this stuff. But if you do bear the name Christian, can I talk to you for a second? And can I just ask you, which is almost a rhetorical question, um, five years from now, do you want to be a Christ-honoring, sold-out-for-God, raising your family to love Jesus kind of Christian? Uh, I see heads nodding. That's encouraging. I mean, hopefully, for those of us who claim Christ, this would, you know, most if not all of us would say, yes, I want that. Wanting is one thing. But the discipline to attain, bit by bit, little choice by little choice, that's, that's something entirely different. How many of us from five years from now, how many of us five years from now would like to be living a very fit, healthy lifestyle? Okay. Wanting. <laughs> And the discipline to attain that are very different things. Will it be mostly green beans and grilled chicken breast? Or Dunkin' Donuts and Dairy Queen blizzards? Ah, oh, yes, Trav. I, I think I see what you're saying. There, there does appear to be a cumulative effect to our decisions. Physically. But spiritually as well. So if we're ever going to have a viral, catalytic effect in a region that's, man, as religiously confused as New England. It takes discipline to first get the gospel right and then live the gospel out. Because much like that little boy with the guitar who caught a glimpse of what could be, indeed what will be, the promise that we have, church, the glory that is ours is awesome. That's what takes us into this last header here. So you have the gospel that spreads, the discipline that sustains, and then quite simply, the Savior that saves. The Savior that saves. I'm in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen 
from the dead. And then also verse 10, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. See, what these verses are offering is not self-confidence, but God confidence that ultimately you and I stand before an audience of one. We endure hardship to a certain degree. We expect it because we know that we live in a broken world and yet we persevere for what lies ahead. Isn't that what our Savior did? I was at a prayer meeting on Monday night, and one of the folks there pulled out Hebrews 2 and read the, the start there, and then Dawn also chose it um, for the uh, confession of faith this morning. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, if there is to be a viral, catalytic effect that the ministry of Medway Community Church has this year, let it begin here with the ironclad conviction that Jesus is enough. Whatever may come, whatever we're facing, The gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. We sang it really well a moment ago. Do we believe it? When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, Christ will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. Listen, we need discipline to both get the gospel right and live the gospel out. That is absolutely true. I would not wiggle from that statement one bit, but I also want to make sure that we end where the passage begins. Verse one, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Some of us in here, we had a hard week that's now behind us. Does that apply to a few of us here? And some of us, perhaps unbeknownst to us, are about to have a hard week that lays ahead of us. And the reality, of course, is that this mixture of you know, stormy seas and smooth sailing and then stormy seas again. I mean, that's going to continue to the end. So hear me on this. Whether you endure in the Christian life is really based on a single question. Am I self-dependent? Or am I Christ-dependent? Whether or not you endure in the Christian life is based on really that single question. Am I self-dependent or am I Christ-dependent? Verse 1 says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so, child of God, can I say to you today that whatever you are facing today, you do so not in the context of a, you know, like a grumpy father who has to be conjoled into helping you out, but you do so based on the love of a good father who is for you. He is for you. A heavenly father who loves you. This is why 
You don't have to be a taker. You can more and more become a maker. So let this picture, right, like a, like a little boy magically being able to see a, a virtuoso guitarist and that now informs all of the, the practice and the sacrifice and the here and now. Let this picture, let this promise of the Christ who lives and reigns and will take his people to be with him, let that sure hope of eternity strengthen our feeble hands, strengthen our shaking knees, Let the long view empower a life that both gets the gospel right and lives the gospel out. And then when you start to forget it and the rain comes a little too hard and a little too fast, well, then that's why we have songs. And that's why we sing to remind ourselves, High King of Heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys O bright heaven's sun, heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Medway Community Church would love to welcome you as our guest one day soon. Our church family meets every Sunday morning for worship and also offers a wide variety of small group and ministry opportunities. To learn more, please visit us on the web at medwaycommunitychurch.org. We look forward to seeing you soon. Washing all my shame.